Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy, but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with, but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Paul Lewis Cole. He is president of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and founding pastor of C3 Church in Dallas, Texas. CMN is active in 138 nations, connecting over 86,000 leaders. Paul is married to Judy Cole, a wonderful leader and talented designer. Paul writes, speaks, and travels extensively, encouraging and advancing the men's movement around the world. He and Judy started Hope C3 Church in 1999, and in 2011 transitioned into full-time men's ministry and as his son, Brandon, and wife, Meredith, accepted the role as lead pastors of C3 Church, DFW. There's so many acronyms here. It's yeah, making yeah. my mind bend. Paul and Judy um, are proud grandparents. Uh, they have, uh, I'm, I'm fudging here a little bit, of the wonderful Reese. How, there's so many names here, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. You know, we put them all on there because if you leave one off, you're just in trouble, right? <laughs> And what grandkids ever read their papa's bio? Exactly, like, exactly. Just your luck that one day it shows up and Cameron goes, Papa, my name ain't on there, bro. Do you love me less? Like, what's the deal? That's right. That? <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, no. Here's, the, here's the secret on grandkids. You grab each one individually and you just lean into their ear and you say, you know, you're my favorite. Yeah. Now don't tell anyone. It's a secret. You tell every single one of them that. <laughs> All right. So Paul has been a business owner, global marketing consultant, and award-winning television film producer for over 30 years. He has a lifetime membership at Starbucks. I will not judge him for that. You can read his blog at paullewiscole.com and you can find him at christianmensnetwork.com or if you want the shorter version, cmn.men. Paul yeah. Lewis Cole, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro. Yeah, Joseph, you? great to be with you. And the whole Starbucks thing, I, that needs to be just, we're going to cut that off. Because I totally a, would, because they don't stand for a lot of our Christian beliefs, my exactly. friend. Exactly. And I'm a craft coffee guy anyway. So when my. Yeah, that's just burnt that, coffee, man. They, when I flew back from um, Spain and then from Greece, they served that on the plane to acclimate. Americans back into crappy coffee. That's what they serve. It's true. It's burnt coffee. Anyway, burnt coffee. So I don't mind saying that about them. My youngest son, my youngest son, Bryce is a coffee snob, you know, which a lot of people in the Nash, you know, in Nashville are, 
And so uh, he's always like, dad, don't say that. Because guys my age and younger guys, they're not going to respect you for that. <laughs> and then uh, now we know, of course, uh, Starbucks is not standing for what you and I work extremely hard for, which is uh, righteousness, right living, common sense, and uh, centering in uh, a God-filled life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? And I know we're going off on a side tangent, but I think it's a it's an important one. So many times we believe one thing, but then our actions are not aligned. Dude, Where we yeah. spend our money is not aligned with our beliefs. So why are we spending our money with organizations that are out propagating and attacking the very Christian values, family values, God values that we believe? Yeah, you know, that that if you have a choice, that's one thing. But if you're using like a Visa card and the organization you got it from is doing some other stuff, you know, part of that is, is just part of being in the world. You know, it's just stuff. One of the things that, that I've recognized over the years is, is that people who are unrighteous, let's say, who are not yet church, we, we basically have it. You're, you're either, you know, follower of Christ or soon to be. And it's kind of the way I look at people. That way, I'm not in judgment over them. I'm in mm. uh, empathy, compassion, mm -hmm. love. You know, hey, that guy's doing that stuff, throwing that brick at a police car. You know what, bro? Uh, at some point, that thing's going to click. And my prayer is it clicks before you end up doing life. Mm. Prison. You know, that's, that's my prayer. I mean, the prayer of Jesus was he said this, pray, pray this way, that pray the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest field. And he didn't say would go to bad people. The scandal of grace is that everybody gets in. Right? So anyway, I, so when you talk about that kind of stuff, if we have a choice, I think we have to stand for righteousness. That's why we vote for people, regardless of party or affiliation, vote for people who uphold a godly standard. And when you say that, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's to me, I, I just, I'm pretty simple. That's, you know, ministry to men, we have to be fairly, you know, simple about it. So we all get it, which is the Bible is the center. Colossians 1 says Christ is the center of all things created. He created all things by him, for him, of him. And then it says he holds everything together. So that becomes our filter. And, and that's where we have to live. Mm. So let's get into your story, Paul. Uh, bring us back in time a little bit and share with us kind of like how you were raised. Were you raised in a home with faith, a denomination, no faith? What was that like? Yeah, then, my dad was a pastor. I, I almost then, went to Steve Martin on you and said I was poor sharecropper's son. But there you go. You know, uh, the fact is my dad was a pastor. Uh great guy. The thing that my dad did that happens to men in business and in ministry, and if you will, the World War II generation taught this, learned it, because it became very uh, myopic about their focus and mission, rather than their, they were, became human doings rather than human beings. I agree with that. And, space, and right? yeah, so he was very focused on his ministry, a great man, became very well known, and uh, Great, great dad, but he wasn't there. We, we talked about it one time. He, his ministry became his mistress. Mm. And we talked about it in the sense of uh, I played athletics. may not look like it, but I did. And uh, played from, you know, fourth grade on up through college. And uh, 
we, we looked back at one point, we tried to remember how many games he was actually at. Hmm. Anything about this? He was in, and all we could come up with was a total of six. Six games out of, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand games I'd played baseball, basketball, football, all the stuff. And when you look at that, you go, okay, you know, uh, what do you do with that? And I think fatherhood, that's why fatherhood perhaps for him became a center point of what he began to disciple men with. And it's a center point of what we do. When people say, what do you do, Paul? I say, I'm, uh, I'm in a human justice mission focused on defeating fatherlessness, ending child abuse, stopping human trafficking. Uh, so where does that come from? It comes from my upbringing. I grew up in uh, California. And so, man, I mean, those roots, just like you, where you grew up, Joseph and Long Island, those things, some of those things, good and bad, stay with you. So, um, had a, so I grew up on a beach in, in Santa Cruz, California. In fact, I'm wearing an O'Neill's hat right now. I got there three years after Mr. O'Neill moved there, Jack O'Neill and his sons. And um, so, you know, that stuff, you know, forms you and stays with you. But then you have to be, you know, coming to Christ, you know, through the Haight-Ashbury experiences and all that of that era, uh, you, you have a reformation, right? Hmm. Which is what you're in the middle. That's what this podcast is about. You know, Broken Catholics is about reforming, reforming who you are from the inside out. You know, culture tries to form us from the outside in. Hmm. And God reforms us from the inside out. I really like that you went there. When I say with my spiritual coaching that I do, uh, people ask, well, what's your process? And I'm like, it's a top-down, inside-out process that I use, meaning you have to be aligned from the top down, from God into you, having that life-giving, right? river flowing into you. And then from the inside out, you become this reservoir, spiritual reservoir into the lives of others. But first you got to be filled. And most of us are not being yeah. filled. And that's the problem. We're out preaching, but we're not being coached and preached to by our heavenly father, because we don't go and spend time with him in silence. We don't shut yeah. up. All behavior follows belief. Uh, your definition produces your destiny because from it, your definition comes your decision. So the thing that I believe God works on is the same thing that every man has a desire for in every culture in the world, Joseph, which is identity, purpose, and belonging, or brotherhood, as we call it, identity, purpose, and brotherhood. And those three things is what cries out. That's why does, why does a young man, uh, as an example, join a gang? Or why does a young man hang out with other skaters if he's a skater or you know, whatever the group may be, if he's a surfer or if he's a roper, you know, he's He's in Stephenville, Texas, and he hangs out with other guys who do the same stuff. Why do you do that? Because brotherhood, community, God was in community before he was anything else, right? And when he created everything, and he says he created it in his image, identity, purpose, belonging, brotherhood, that brotherhood is a call. I mean, it pulls on us. Why do people show up at bars? Why, why did they have to close them in all this COVID crap? You know, because people show up and they want to hang out. Why? There's a sense of desiring brotherhood in the heart of every man. And then out of that comes purpose and identity. And it's the thing that every father gives to his son. And it's why 80% of our young man where I live in the United States, no matter where you're listening to this, it's probably about the same. About 80% of the young men now growing up in America, growing up dad deprived, as Warren Farrell calls it. 
and that's a huge issue in our future. So what do you think it's uh, costing us as a, as a nation, but more importantly, what is it costing each of these, these men as they grow up in their own lives? Well, I'll give you an example. In the last uh, 10 years in California, where I'm from, I live in Texas now. Uh, in California, in the last 10 years, they've built 18 new prisons and one new university. Hmm. Okay, so that's just a picture on the outside. What's it costing us? Domestic violence is up 38% in the United States this year. A lot of that because of, as you and I are talking, there's that sheltering in place thing, holding people together. So that, so that stay in place decree for 20 million children across the United States became a stay in hell decree. And, and so what's that costing us? It's costing us, if you're, if you're a Toyota dealer, it may be costing you all your business 15 years from now. Because if we don't pull that around, people aren't going to be faithful in their jobs, excellent in what they do, uh, have a love of country, and a, and a desire to be uh, in community with other people. I mean, we see it on Facebook already. Facebook to me, Joseph, is kind of like, kind of like you're sitting in your living room, you kind of have an idea about something, and then somebody just runs in the front door, runs in your living room, screams at you. <laughs> They're their, their thing that, you know, your thought's wrong, and then runs back out. It's kind of like, you know, and, and there has to be civil discourse. You know, Dan Crenshaw, I think, has been really great about that. He's a congressman out of Texas. He's the guy with the, with the eye patch, Dan Crenshaw. And um, he, uh, he, was on, he was actually on Saturday Night Live, and the way he got there was because one of the comedians made a joke about him and the next, that was Saturday night. And then the next Wednesday morning on Good Morning America, when they expected Crenshaw to come in with this big, righteous, right-wing sort of yelling at that guy, and how we need to correct America and all that, he came back and said, you know what, I forgive the guy. And I've heard he had a firestorm of, you know, social media against him. And I would just tell everybody to give the guy a break. He made a mistake. And right then, that man called him and said, thank you for what you said, because, man, I was getting killed. I didn't know what to do about it. And uh, that's, that's called uh, community. That's called civil discourse. That's called being in a relationship with each other. It's, it's uh, knowing your neighbors and knowing their names. It's, it's, uh, it's a big deal, Joseph. I like that example you brought up because it's – Forgiveness is becoming almost a foreign uh, thing in our society right now. And I know for, you know, I was at uh, a, share a quick story just happened to me personally. Um, you know, I was at uh, church on Sunday and as I'm leaving with my wife and brand new baby. Yeah, um, congratulations on that. By thanks the way. brother. Right. And we're feeling just lit up by God and everything. And we walk out into the, uh, you know, the uh, outside area with the gathering and people everywhere. And you got all the pastors and stuff and deacons and, and friends. And we're talking with friends. And then there's two uh, guys that I know um, uh, that I've been friends with one for nine years, the other for about four or five years. And I've done men's ministry with one of them and uh, they're both in mask and our church is uh, you know, you could choose mask or not mask right. and uh, with social distancing and, and everyone around them has no mask and they're both lined up waiting to speak with me. 
Um, and, and it was just kind of like a little awkward, their positioning. So eventually I was like, Hey guys, how you been? You know, and one of them I hadn't seen in about eight months and immediately he, uh, first words out of his mouth, not hi, Joseph, how are you? Oh my gosh, you have a new baby, you know, whatever. No congratulations, no nothing. It was just Joseph, you should have a mask on. Wow. No, seriously, you need to put a mask on dude. Like that was his thing in front of my wife and kid and with just like an authoritative tone. And, and I just looked at him. I said, listen, if you could show me the science that shows that little face diaper you're wearing actually blocks this COVID virus, like yeah. the real science, I will be happy to put it on. If not, I'm fine how I am. And, and he was just like, well, you really, then it goes, the conversation opens up and we get to the real thing. And the real thing was I had reached out to him. He said, a long time ago um, and just checked in on his life. And he really appreciated that call. It was with, wow. you know, no agenda, just called to say, hey, how you doing? And then he said on my podcast, this podcast, two or three weeks later, I was, he said, joking about it. And I made light of it and said, oh yeah, I was put up to doing that. Like someone challenged me to do, reach out to 10 people who you love and actually ask them about their life. Because life just goes by and we don't check in with people. And I was and like, you go fast, man. And then right? you haven't talked to anybody. Yeah. Right. So I was like, what a good point. You know what? I, I need to get better at that. Let me go ahead and call these people. He took that out of context as it was an obligation to call him. So he uh -huh. said, my call was disingenuous and he's been harboring that for eight months. And I'm obviously not the person he thought he, I was, et cetera. And he starts attacking my character in front of my wife and kid publicly. And it was just like, I turned to him and I just said, for any hurt that I caused you through that, I am truly sorry. Would you be willing to forgive me? And he didn't even look me in the eye. He just goes, yeah, fine. And then he goes right back into, well, you know, that really hurt, right? Like any, and he keeps bashing it. and he just couldn't forgive me. I couldn't forgive. And, and that is so systemic right now in our society. And I know I went a little off on a story there, but why do you think we're resisting giving forgiveness to others and equally important, receiving forgiveness from others? You know, love, the definition of love is uh, doing something for somebody else, even at your own expense, without expecting any return. Love desires to give. God so loved the world that he gave lust is the desire to benefit self even at the expense of others because lust desires to get 2008 financial crisis was a lust issue in this world because there were certain people if you read you know all the, the background on the 2008 financial crisis that started in iceland and tripped around the world you know you you find out that it was because people were greedy they wanted their own stuff regardless of what happened to anybody else so whether it's the fall of Enron or anything else, we live in a broken, fallen world that is essentially selfish. Hmm. The reason that we don't forgive is because we'd rather keep our stuff and we don't have to hum we don't want to humble ourselves. And frankly, a lot of us have been taught if you're going to get ahead, man, you got to be the big dog, you got to be alpha, all this crap that basically says you got to tear it. And the, and the people I've met who have, who have made some of the greatest strides in their lives in terms of being successful, and success is not a position, it's a, it's a mindset. 
It's a disposition. Success is to fully satisfy your personal design. Mm. So, so when you do that and you become that, you, you, you're a man at peace. And you can forgive when you haven't arrived at that. You've been taught by culture to grab a hold of the gold in that sense. Uh, you're looking to hold on to stuff. Love doesn't hold on to stuff. You know, it's that First Corinthians 13 thing that most of us only read at weddings. You know, love desires to give. Love is generous. Love is kind. Love is forgiving. All that. That is, that is actually taking it and opening your hands. And for some people, that's too vulnerable. You know, you know what it reminded me of uh, your story was Joe Esterhouse. And do you know Joe at all? He, no. you know, great. Okay. Great script writer. And uh, well, <laughs> but he wrote Flashdance, Jagged Edge, Basic Instinct, huge hits. And then he's, he's, he wrote a book called Crossbearer. It is a fantastic book. I recommend it. And uh, it's about his coming to faith in God through his priest in Cleveland. Okay. So he's in, he's in uh, Malibu and he's finding these, you know, uh, drug paraphernalia in his neighborhood. And he's like, I don't want to raise my kids in this. So he moves to Cleveland, sets up, ends up with throat cancer, goes to his priest. They pray over it because he hadn't gone to his priest in right forever. Right. Goes there, has a miracle of God that heals his throat. All right. And now he's like, what do I do with that? I, I have faith in God. So he comes into faith in Christ and in God. And then he, it's, it's called Crossbearer because in the Catholic Church, you've got this, you know, this procession that will happen at certain occasions, right? Priest comes in and the third person in, if I remember correctly, is like the guy with the cross. Is that right? Something like that? Second okay. or third. Yep. Yeah, second or third guy. So, so what happens is the priest says to Joe Esterhouse, who's this wild man out of Cali, you know, it's written all these crazy movies. It's huge, successful. He says, Joe, uh, today with this new faith that you have and stuff, I'm gonna honor, I want you to carry the cross next Sunday. So he's thinking to himself, Joseph, he's going like, okay, if I'm going to honor God, I got to do something really out there. So he pulls out a vintage Rolling Stones t-shirt given to him by Mick Jagger. He thinks this is the most valuable piece of clothing I own. <laughs> this so may one, or may not go well. It's the one with the tongue hanging out. Yeah, you know the, the old. I do. Okay. So, so he comes walking in and uh, carrying the cross. Everybody's in their things and he's in that t-shirt. And afterwards, all these people, now he's like, had this moment he's in tears the priest blesses him the priest doesn't even tell him anything he goes dude you're awesome don't worry about it what a great priest right so 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 he walks in he's got that thing all that stuff and in the parking lot people are stopping rolling down their windows going how dare you desecrate the house of god hmm. and he's just crushed and a guy comes up to him and says, for those people, I ask you to forgive me and forgive them. Hmm. Man, it just, you know, forgiveness releases, unforgiveness binds. Yes. Forgiveness opens, unforgiveness closes. You know, we, we put that in a book with Christian Men's Network, Strong Men in Tough Times, about the life of Daniel. 
and what he had to go through to end up where he became this uh, leader of the nation. And even then, when he's 80 years old, he gets put in the den of lions. So, uh, but he had to forgive people. And in the Lord's prayer that we pray all the time, or it's on our, it's, it's on our refrigerator, you know, the Lord's prayer says, forgive us as we forgive others. And dude, there's sort of a, it's just, it's just the way things work. It's the, it's the economy of God. We forgive others. He's forgiven us. And so I'm going to forgive others as I've been forgiven. And I've been forgiven huge, right? And so have you, bro, right? That's right. Let's so. connect this to fatherlessness. Oh, dude. Right? We grow up, some of us, in fatherless homes. Yeah. We look at our human fathers, and then we paint that mask on our heavenly father. Yeah. How that relationship went. And we cannot or have not or choose not to forgive our human father and thus we block and bind ourselves from our heavenly father speak yeah. more to that you know in uh, jesus taught this he said whatever you uh whatever you forgive is forgiven and whatever you retain is retained essentially it's this and proverbs 4 says guard your heart because out of your heart comes your life you know when we talk about identity and all of that one of the things we put in a book called uh bartender which is about nehemiah uh is uh you know you become what's in your heart. Your hands will end up doing what's in your heart. When you hold unforgiveness in your heart, this is why, check it out, this is why the sons of alcoholics too often become alcoholics, the thing they hated. Because you become what's in your heart. If you hold that in your heart, you end up becoming what you've planted in your heart. You can work on your hands. You can go all the right schools, get all the coaching, all this stuff. But if you still have that unforgiveness in your heart, you're holding on to something that's going to end up being the formation of your life. And uh, we don't do it because there's, again, there's a humility about it. There's a uh, uh, man, I'm bitter, I'm angry, I'm mad. I'll give you a story. I've got a, a friend of mine, pastors a really large church in San Diego, California. And uh, didn't start out that way. His dad was alcoholic. He's a German background, grew up in New Zealand. His dad was very, uh, you know, beat them up when they were kids. He and his little brother. I was talking to him one day. We we're playing golf. Well, he was, he was playing. I was there. <laughs> I, was, I was hitting the ball. He's actually playing. And um, I asked him, you know, it was about his background. He began telling me this. And I thought, man, this guy's 44 years old. He's, he's had huge success. He said, it's amazing what happened. He said, well, when I was 13, I decided I would beat up my dad when I was 18, which is when you could sign your own contracts. I'll leave home when I'm 18, beat up my dad, and I'm out. That's when he's, that's 13. It's his goal from 13 to 16. At 16, a friend took him to a church meeting for youth, gave his life to Jesus Christ, reformed his heart, changed everything. He went home. I mean, this thing happened just like, he didn't get taught all this. It happened out of the fullness of his heart, right, Joseph? And he went home and he forgave his dad. Now, his dad was still, you know, he wasn't a bad guy. He got jacked up when he was on alcohol, okay? And so this stuff would come out. And when he was, I said, well, what happened then? He said, well, when I was 18, I left. He said, but about eight years ago, so when he was 36, he said, I was able to lead my father to faith in Christ. Mm. He said, because I never got bitter at him and angry. 
I said, well, man, your brother must have had a great experience also. He goes, no, my brother's jacked up. I said, you're kidding. Really? And he sat there and he, all of a sudden it dawned on him. He said, yeah, my, my brother never forgave my dad. So my brother's had three different marriages. He's, he's alcoholic. He's everything he hated in our dad. I said, you know what, man? He's become what he hated because he held it in his heart. Unforgiveness releases us from the dysfunction of the past. And, and the Bible says in, in the message translation, it says it fastens us to our future. Jesus never hassled guys about their past. He always gave them hope about their future. Hmm. Listen, this is super powerful. And I also think it's the linchpin uh, that's missing in so many conversations, especially in men's ministry. Uh, so many of us as men, you know, the very thing that is uh, causing, that's at the root uh, cause of all the dysfunction in our life and so much struggle and unnecessary suffering and broken relationships yeah. is some kind of unforgiveness still present in that father wound. And we've been feeding it and it's been growing and it's just this weed that has consumed our heart. Yeah. And wow, we just attract more of it, don't we? Yeah, you're right. And it's and sometimes it's not just a father wound, though. I think that's most prevalent. Uh, it can be an ex-business partner. It can be an ex-wife. I remember I was, I was talking about this. I was in Salt Lake City. And a guy came up to me and he goes, <laughs> he says, we're talking about forgiveness. He goes, hey, I believe in all that, man. I think it's awesome. But I can't forgive my, my ex-wife. I go, well, it's not about emotions. It's about doing uh, something because actions control emotions emotions control actions, but if you're going to be a follower of Christ, your actions control your emotions. And I said, you just do it, not out of emotion, but out of faith in God that this is what plants the right seed, which grows the right things instead of, he goes, no, you don't know what she put on Facebook, man. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I go, that's real world, but you know what? It doesn't matter because you're dead to that. I've died in Christ, right? So I'm a new creation. And, and that really, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm a new creation, is really where we have to live. Because, you know, Romans says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Man, you know, my uh, identity, and, and what we talk about, Joseph, with Christian Network is, identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. And most of us are using lyrics that somebody else wrote. It's kind of like Gideon when Jesus shows up, a theophany in the Old Testament, the first covenant, and God shows up, Jesus shows up and says, mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, no, you don't know who I am. My, my, our nation's living in caves and fear and hiding. My family's the wimpiest family in that nation, and I'm the wimpiest kid. He's 16 years old, Joseph, and how did he know that? Because somebody told him that. Somebody put that on him and it became the filter of his life. You know, so when we talk about these things and, uh, you know, identity and purpose and all that, this is about grabbing a hold, not letting death come into your heart, man. And you got to fight for it. We have to fight for it. I was going somewhere else. And I ended up there, but it's all good. That is good. So good speak, speak to our listener right now who is feeling uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, good. Because 
they know they're, they're recognizing truth in our conversation and there's an irritation of the Holy Spirit happening in their heart right now that's causing some friction and our emotions say it's bad. Our, our brain says it's bad. Run from it. Push it down. Suppress it. Don't deal with it. Don't look at it. But you and I both know you must lean into that very thing that the Holy Spirit is raising up for you to see because God wants it out because you are his precious son or precious daughter. So speak to that man or that woman right now that is feeling uncomfortable, knows that they have unforgiveness in their heart. It may be to, to a parent to a mom or to a dad, it could be to a sibling, it could be to an ex, it could be to their yeah. own husband or to their own wife or to their kids. It could be to themselves. It could be to themselves. I think that's a huge thing, Joseph, forgiving what? ourselves. The forgiving ourselves. God, the power of God, right before Jesus told those guys about forgiveness, he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so uh, discomfort is a launching pad of character. And character is that, uh, it's not elusive. Character is built. It's kind of like the Marines who say, pain is weakness leaving my body. And uh, so, you know, you don't discipline yourself. Joseph, you're a disciplined man because you're doing this stuff. You've done a couple hundred episodes of Broken Catholic. You've built great businesses. That didn't just happen. It happened because you got up at five in the morning, got the stuff going, disciplined your life. So discipline wasn't because you hated yourself. Discipline for an athlete isn't because they don't love their body. Discipline is because you have a focus on the finish. So right now that discomfort is actually the presence of God saying to my friend, your friend right now, you can become everything you desire to be. And you can become free like they're talking about, but it's gonna take a bit of a shift. And you can't sit in your little comfort lazy boy chair flipping channels, you're going to have to get up. And I don't care if that means you're driving or wherever you're listening to this mentally stand up and, and move towards. And, and this is the thing the Bible tells us and the half brother of Jesus, James said this, he said, when you move towards God, he runs towards you. Now, if anybody would know that James would. And so, and so if we just take a step, God's bam, the Holy spirit's there. I know people, I had a friend of mine who, she, her uh, husband was a rock star and they were, they were with the Rolling Stones in Southern France. This is, I, I forget, Exile on Main Street. They were doing that album. And, uh, and so she, she's walking across this big great room in this rented, you know, big mansion and, and God speaks to her and her whole prayer to change her life was this, God help me. I'm ready. That was it. And Joseph, we don't have to know all the stuff. You know, when you talk about leaning in, you know, men are like trees. We tend to fall the way we're leaning. So if we just lean, just God help me. I don't know what that means. I don't know how I do this. I don't know the stuff. I haven't been anywhere with stained glass in a long time. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, what's going to happen right then? Somebody's coming across your path. You know, grab a Bible, pull it open to St. John. St. John, who was like really close to Jesus, one of his best friends, closest guys, compadres. And he talks about who this guy was and start reading that. And you just go, wow, this seems going to become alive. Where before the Bible was like this, like rules and regulations. Now you're going to go, whoa, 
it's relationship and it's going to feel good. And you're going to go, I want more of this. And then you go find a priest or a pastor at a church that actually uses a Christian Bible, which would be good. And then go, Hey, can you help me walk through this? Or you may have a friend, you know, and most likely there was somebody in your life that was praying for you. <laughs> you know, you got grandmother and aunt, somebody you know, has been prayer for you. And, and, you know, you can try to outrun God, but you can't outrun your grandmother's prayers. These, these are powerful. So I'm gonna try and sum this up into three spiritual next steps for you, BC Nation. Uh, if you're listening to Paul Lewis Cole right now, he's, he's giving you the roadmap. He's giving you the play-by-play game plan here. The first step is just look up to God like that, you know, uh, rock star uh, wife did say, God, help me. I'm ready. But you got to be ready. You got to say enough. I'm done with the dysfunction. I'm done with the hurt. I'm done with trying to control my own destiny. It's so bleeping exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, we don't change, you know, as men, uh, speaking to all of us really, but because I'm in a ministry to men, we don't change as men until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. I believe that truly. And I know you do this as a coach and you help people, uh, but you can't, you can't even coach somebody until they say, you know, I need help. I don't know what it is. You know what I don't know. So help me find out what I don't know. And that's it, man. We come to God and I, so, okay, that's number one. You got number two there. Ask a friend or a pastor for help. Bam. Well, actually your number two is uh, pick up the Bible and read John. Yeah, there you go. St. John in uh, a Bible, you know, look it up in your phone. Every phone, every phone has St. John on it because, because you can Google it. Yeah, that's, that's good. Any other uh, steps you want to give them right now? Practical, tactical steps? Yeah, practical steps is this. You know, what you, uh, what you put in is what you get out. And that's why taking a podcast like this, uh, some of your friends, people who have been with you on this uh, great podcast, Broken Catholic, listen to it in the car. I was with a guy who listens to our podcast uh, Saturday. He owns a, the uh, Firestone dealership in Flagstaff, Arizona. And he said, I listened to it on the way to my office and I listened to it on the way back. And he said, I walk in, he said, I feel hope. He said, we're in the middle of all this COVID, all this stuff. He said, the first month was just disastrous for us. Starting to pick up, it's going great now for him. He said, but I I had to walk in with some hope and you don't get that by listening to sports radio, Hmm. you know, or or the news or the news or, or just, you know, listening to a music station with some kind of, you know, crap rap. You know, the thing is, is that, uh, and I'm not saying all rap's bad. I'm just saying that, that a lot of the stuff that we would find in the general market is not going to lead us into a place of hope. So listen to a broken Catholic, put it on there, stick it on. You know how to do this stuff, you know, Bluetooth it to your radio, put the headsets on when you're on the subway and listen to this thing and get it in your heart and spirit and begin to build a positive mindset. Romans 12.2 says, if you want to change your life, change the way you think. God's really practical. And he knows us because he created us. If you want to change your life, change the way you think. You know, and I think Tony Robbins took credit for that quote, even though he got it from the Bible. Look at that. (laughs) All right. So BC Nation, uh, I just want to add one little thing to what Paul 
Lewis Cole is saying right now. And that is take action now when you're feeling the irritation. Don't put it off. Don't wait. You know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to go back to the lazy boy. You're going to put on the TV. You're going to flip the channels. You're going to scroll on your phone. And then that irritation in you that the Holy Spirit is raising up to say that God wants to heal you and set you free. That freedom is right there for you if you don't run from it. So right here, right now, as you're listening, as I'm closing out the show here with Paul, go ahead, look up, close your eyes with a sincere heart. Say, God, or Father, help me. Help me. I'm ready. Yeah. And then believe he will. Yeah. He's going to put someone in your life. Something's going to happen. There's going to be a knock on the door. There's going to be a phone call. There's going to be a text. Say yes to it. Take that next step. It will lead to the next step. Then the next step. This is how God works. It's faith and patience. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. Our little control freak resists both of those adamantly. Myself and Paul have learned to put our trust in God. We still resist. We're still human. But we realize every time we take back control, it never works out the way we want anyway. So what's the effing point? And we finally just surrender it all and just say, God, you could do this better than me. That's where you want to get, but it starts with that one step right now. God, help me. I'm ready. We're speaking with Paul Lewis Cole. You can find him at christianmensnetwork.com or cmn.men. Paul, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. <laughs> confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire. About this, bro. Yeah, I know, bro. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds yeah. to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Yeah, go. What's your favorite thing about God? Uh, forgiveness. What's your least favorite thing about God? <laughs> That, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. My least favorite thing about God would be that, uh, he, he calls me out on my stuff. Yeah, he does that. Okay, he's a dad. Okay. It's my favorite and least favorite. Okay. Yeah. What are you most afraid of? Gosh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think what I'm afraid of. I, you know, what would bring fear into me? Cause I don't live in that filter would be, I want all my children, grandchildren, and their children to follow God. Mm, amen. Your life will create that possibility, my friend. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, just part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. What are you struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? You know, I think, uh, you know, because I write and do what you do, I struggle with the fact that I'd really like to be liked mm. all the time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I don't think you can do what you and I do and have that happen. And, and, uh, you know, it's just part of my thing. Maybe. I agree. When you, when we serve God, uh, we get a, a spiritual target on our back. Yeah. Well, what do you, man, James 10, you know, uh, 10, 10, you, you, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy John 10, 10. That's right. What did you spend? What, uh, way too much time doing in your twenties? My twenties, man, I built, I'm like you, I built companies and stuff. So what did I spend too much time? I spent too much time, probably spent too much time uh, traveling in the business, traveling in the business. Hmm. When I What's could have done some of that stuff 
you know, back in the day by phone and fax. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though my kids grew up with their dad around, I wasn't around. They, they think I was around, but I really wasn't. What but secret? They think that, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's one step up. Well, here's the deal: the the moment I walked in the house, I belonged to them. You were present. I it's something I practiced, and that I, makes I, a I, difference. I wasn't taught that. I I got taught that out of my dad not doing that. Kids don't need much time, I believe, if you're 100 percent present with them in your time. Yeah, like that's that's a little secret hack for fatherhood, in my two cents opinion. What secret fear do you have about people? What fear do what, what was that? What secret fear do you have about people? Well, it's secret. That's the whole point. Well, let it out of the bag. Okay, man. What secret fear do I have about people? I I uh, I think too many people live their life based on memes. <laughs> Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Oh my goodness, man. Psalm forty six. That he's always present. That he that he's truly a father. Um. And I could, oh, you know, and just being fully alive that I didn't, oh, here's, here's a big thing, big thing, big thing. You ready? We got a second. Uh, my friend Lynn Sweet wrote a book called The Well-Played Life. And in it, he, he argued, and I bought into it was God doesn't, God loves me, has a wonderful plan for my life. I was told growing up. So I, I tried this whole thing, trying to find a plan. And Lynn said, no, he's got a purpose for your life and a plan for mankind. And I go, dude, I was taught the wrong thing. So he's right. So all of a sudden I could color in the stuff with my father going, well done. Awesome. Way to go. Without trying to find his track. Cause I just figured by the time I was in eighth grade, I'd committed the unpardonable sin. So what the heck <laughs> do the that's whole a, deal. That's a powerful distinction right there. What's yeah. a new habit that you want to create? New habit. Um, besides playing golf better, like an actual personal habit. Sure. You know, that's a good question because I'm always working on stuff. Uh, I would say what I'm working on now is that touch thing. I do that, but I want to be a little bit more purposeful that when I think about it, I do it. Because I think that's the Holy Spirit bringing to my mind. Yeah. Rather than writing it down on a piece of paper and then the paper sits on the desk. Yeah, I get that. Act upon the irritation in the moment. What's a bad habit you want to break? Bad habit that I want to break. Um, gosh, that would be good. Uh, probably, and I'll, I'll get I'll get around to it eventually. But I want to uh, break the habit of procrastination. <laughs> I see what you did there. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, hopeful, uh, uh, vigilant, and and slightly still immature (laughs) got it pick three words to describe who you were before uh you experienced god in your life and uh, let go of your unforgiveness in your heart yeah you know uh without direction uh confused and uh and fully immature and at least two of those three have been pretty well worked on that's awesome. And last question, Paul, if you could come back to life, you look your family, your friends, your wife in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, anything, what would you say to them? Trust him. Trust, Trust him. God. And fully buy into everything that he said you are. Ephesians 2.10, you're his masterpiece. Buy into that. Know that. Grab a hold of that. 
And, you know, screw what other people think, man. Forget worrying about what your IG looks like. Just trust him. And, and you don't have to feel it to believe it, BC Nation. I think that's very important. But the more you believe it, the more you'll start to feel it. Come on, somebody. That's the secret recipe. Any final wisdom, Paul? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God and forgiving uh, their, you know, everyone around them versus not? Uh, it's this. I'm not defined by the things I struggle with. I'm defined by the fact I'm a passionate pursuer of the presence of God. Hmm. Got that. What's the best way for a BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? Yeah, cmn.men. Paul at cmn.men is my personal email. Let's throw that out there. And then, uh, yeah, so that's the best way to get a hold of us. We have a team of people. And, and uh, man, I'm just praying. You know, here's what I'm praying for you, brother. Uh, I'm praying that God keeps you deep within the grip of his favor and that every place you put your feet is holy ground and everything your hands touch will prosper. And you become one of the most amazing dads to this beautiful little girl and the future children and an awesome dad and that all your dreams come to pass. Mm, praise God, I receive that. All right, Paul Lewis Cole, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, my friend. Thanks. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.